Hi, everybody. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to today's session. We are here again with Andrea Williams, who's been our guest. Andrea was chosen for a very special task of which I have to say her whole life prepared her for, and that is to defend the rights of Christians right here in England. You know, I find myself sitting here wondering as I welcome you and thank you for being a guest again. What does a typical day in your world look like? In some ways, there is no typical day because actually we don't know the phone calls that are going to come in. And I sometimes say to the legal team, you just can't make this up. You can't make, you can't make what's happening to us today uh, up. And I think that um, that's very real. And very often the kind of allegations that come against us is that you're exaggerating your cases, um, that they're not true, that this doesn't really happen, mm -hmm. but it all does happen. So what's interesting is that very often at the weekends in particular, uh, we will get a call through to very, sometimes it comes to my line, my direct mobile line, but to out of, our out of office numbers for the, um, for the legal team where street preachers, because they're very often out on a weekend, um, they will be called. And many of the street preachers in the United Kingdom have our number. And they call us up and say, the police are coming here. They're asking us to move on. And we will be giving them advice over the phone about what to do. Very often to stay there, to be polite, uh, to, to issue them with, uh, to tell them really what the law is and that they're free to be there and they're free to exercise their freedom to speech, their freedom to speak the gospel. So that's the kind of thing we'll do. If, however, the street preacher has been arrested, then one of our team will need to get out to the police station. We have situations where our street preachers can be held. They've sometimes even been held overnight before they've reached us. Oh Fingerprinted, all of that. For preaching the gospel? For preaching the gospel. <laughs> and um, in fact, what would be wonderful, and we may, may, well, may well be able to play a clip of um, one of our fantastic street preachers, Captain Clark, who was arrested just recently. And uh, he just speaks about, he's a captain, a, a captain here in the in the British services. Oh, you're kidding me! And I think loves wonderfully saved, loves to go out on the streets to preach, and finds himself arrested. When I was saved, Chris, in 2008, one of the first things that came to mind is why has nobody told me this? I'd had a lifetime. I was in my early mid 40s by then. I'd had I'd had a lifetime of cultural Christianity, of going to churches singing from hymns ancient and modern and, and familiar with the Book of Common Prayer, but I hadn't had the gospel message in its clarity laid out to me that you're a wretched, wicked sinner, uh, miserable, uh, destined for hell. It's what you've earned, but Christ so loved you that he poured out his very blood for you on the cross at Calvary. And I was a broken man, but I was pulled up by the power of the Spirit um, and I just wanted to go and tell people. And this is the Bible which uh, I bought at a local bookstore and um, have had uh, ever since. And I do like the um, passage in the book of Jude in verse 3 that says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So we must, we are under remit to go out into the public 
space and contend to the faith that's been delivered to us uh, by God's grace to give a reason for the hope that is, that is within, having set Christ apart as Lord. Christ is our Lord, and we go out there in obedience to him, and it's a joy and a privilege um, to do that. Now, of course, what you then find is quite often Christians can say, well, really, those street preachers, I wish they'd calm it down a bit. Really, the way that they do things. And there's a sense in which we might say, well, I wouldn't do it like that. But they are free to do it their way. Exactly. And very often what I want to say to people is, well, what are you doing? What are we doing? If these people are out there on the highways and byways, if these people aren't out there, what answer, what answer have we got? What ways are we doing it? Yeah. So um, that's, that's, that's something that can happen quite often at the weekend. That might be a weekend call. Um, we then get, um, let me just think about the, the last couple of weeks. Last week we were in court with a woman, Sarah Kute, who um, is a nurse, has been a nurse for 15 years, and she was moved to a position whereby she did the pre-op assessments on patients. And one of the questions asked by our National Health Service is, do you have a religion? And Sarah being Sarah, because, again, she's had a, a really wonderful conversion relatively recently. She loves to talk about her faith. And actually, at that question, what is your religion? Uh, they say Christian. What does that mean to you? And the next minute she's in a conversation, complaints come against her. Oh, come on. This is real life, normal stuff that people freely discuss. Well, what I, do, what I find very strange from the National Health Service is, why don't they just say to her, if they don't like the way that she's doing the pre-op assessment forms, put her on bloods. Right. Put her on the fluids. Right. If you don't want her to enter into those conversations, take her off the forms. Well, no. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't particularly want to go off the forms, but what's extraordinary is that they don't resolve it like that. They suspend her for gross misconduct. They then sack her for gross misconduct. But worse still, they want to now remove her licence to nurse. Oh, come on. I mean, this isn't someone who's a danger to patients. This is one, someone who hasn't, who's lied or deceived. This is someone who has simply entered into conversations that these forms invite. So wow. that's, that, that, was, that was the case of um, last, last week. So that's a case that we are, the case that we're dealing with. And one to come uh, in, in the weeks to come is the case of Richard Page. Now, Richard Page is a wonderful English gentleman, lives in the Garden of England in Kent, 70 years of age, a life of public service. He's a non-executive director on a national health uh, board. He's also a magistrate. And as a magistrate, he said within a retiring room and privately on a family case that he believed that a child would do best with a mum and dad and believed that a little boy that was about to be adopted should actually stay with the mum and dad that he'd only, the only mum and dad he'd ever known and that shouldn't be placed with two men who were in a particularly unique situation in terms of where they lived, mm -hmm. which would have made this boy very identifiable and new in the environment. Oh. That conversation was behind closed doors. The child was approved by the other two to foster into the same-sex household. So the case went ahead as such, but he was reported by the other two magistrates and he then was reprimanded by the Lord Chancellor and the Lord Chief Justice for allowing his religious views to interfere with his judgment. And 
was removed from the bench or he was ordered on to do a re-education course. We're going to teach you to think properly. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, he did his re-education course and he went back onto the bench but then for speaking to the media very broadly but about his experience, not giving anything away, there's no risk of identification but speaking about the situation for Christians in the country he was suspended again from the magistracy, so from his bench as a judge. And um, we've presently got that case going on, but the reason why I've linked it to Sarah Kute is that he was the National Health Trust, that he was a non-executive director of, because of that case, and because he spoke to the media, said, we no longer want you to be on our board. What? Yeah. You've got to be kidding me. And that was... <laughs> And because you do not fulfill the equality and diversity um, curriculum, uh, because we've had, um, we've had um, a complaint by LGBT members of staff here. In fact, there were 30,000 people in support of him. How do you reprogram someone's faith out of them? Well, you can't. No, you can't. And I think, and this is what I love about uh, the work that we have at the Christian Legal Centre, mm -hmm. because actually every person, every person that comes to us, every case that we take on, uh, these people really believe in Jesus. You know, it's as simple as that. Right. They believe in him, they know him, they love him, he's Lord of their life, yeah. they believe that he changes things, they want to tell people about him, they believe in his ways, they love him so much that they're prepared to risk their careers for him. Right. They're prepared to say the unsayable things, they're prepared to say the things that we've kind of all put ourselves on mute on and a lot of Christians have put ourselves on mute. But the clients of the Christian Legal Center, they get themselves into trouble because they still speak the gospel where it is under attack on those truths in, in, at this time. You know, it's, it, and, and what I think people miss, which is what you see, I can tell you see clearly, is that when you're willing to fight for your faith, it, this isn't about, and, and I think this is important for anyone watching who may not be a believer. This is not about someone brainwashed me and told me this is true. Or someone, oh, they raised you to be in a Christian home or, or this child's been indoctrinated. No, you have to have an encounter yeah. with a living God where you have been in the presence of a love that is so overwhelming and something so supernatural that you know that you know that you know, yep. this I will die for. Yep. yep. Yes, I really believe that. I yes. Mean, actually, you know, uh, the thing about this faith of ours is that it's not just worth living for. It's worth dying. It's worth dying for. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that the clients of the Christian Legal Center, uh, the ones that sometimes their cases have taken years for, they're the people that are prepared to die for faith. Yeah. Because actually... They love him. You know, we're scared. We're scared of being called names. We're scared of a Twitter backlash. We're scared of somebody posting something rude on Facebook. We're scared of somebody thinking we're a bit odd. Uh, just for being Christians. Too much That's fear of man. Too much fear of man. Yeah. But actually, these people yeah. uh, really believe in Jesus and actually that he is good and that his ways are good. Yeah. And when they speak of him... Um, that's what, that's exactly what they, that, that's why. You can't shut them up. And it's just like the gospel period. When I think about the 12 disciples and the book of Acts and how 
the church spread out after, after Christ died all around the world, you would almost have to imagine if you don't believe that you need to sit down for five seconds and ask yourself, why has this conversation outlasted everyone that I've ever been related to and will outlast me and anyone related to me? And, and I always say that to people, you know, I had a young lady say to me, well, you know, Miss Cynthia, one of the young women I mentor, you know, I, I've been exploring a lot of different thoughts and ideologies and, you know, I've been questioning a lot of things and I'm not sure you can handle it. And I just started laughing at this lovely little 22 year old because I looked at her and I said, oh my gosh, daughter, I said, you're so funny. I said, first of all, to think that there's anything that you could say that would shock me is hilarious. I said, but second of all, to think that you're so prideful that you think that your questioning of God amounts to anything when generations after generations after generations have questioned the very existence of God and Jesus Christ, and he is the only conversation that the world is still actively having right now today. And they <laughs> sought to crucify him? Right. And they, and, and still seeking to crucify him. And they're still seeking to crucify him. And... And I and I really and you know who who crucified him? Well, it was the lawyers. Yeah. It was it was the lawyers. It was the churchmen. It was the religious leaders. The people that were supposed to protect him. With and the, and the, and the and the mob said yes because they and actually the lawyers should have been speaking of him. The religious rulers to think and but do the religious rulers speak of him today? No. And that, I mean, and to think, and, I, and I, this has kind of really come to me of late, yeah. that when we actually, uh, when religious leaders, when Christian leaders kowtow to the culture, when they say that it's pastoral to please the culture, to actually say that we've got to have new ways of doing the things that are not of Christ, that actually in the Bible, they're spoken of as sin. Yeah. That actually we have to bless, we have to bless what is sinful that actually we have to make ways for that. And then, so we actually have some leaders that are saying that in the church and we'd have to question whether or not they're Christian. Yeah. But then there are Christian leaders who do not, who have large followings, who do know the Lord Jesus Christ, but don't speak. And so there is no sound. And if there is no sound, then actually the people are sad. Totally. There's no shepherd. There's no shepherd. Because when, you know, a, a holy people is a happy people. Yeah. When people know God, yeah. a nation thrives. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. But sin is a reproach to any nation, scripture says. Yes. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> that says it all to me. Sin is a reproach to any nation. But if my people call out my name, then I will heal the land. And that's what I'm really saying. And that's what I'd say to the viewers here. Yeah. Yeah. Are we his people and will we cry out for our land? And will we humble ourselves and repent? Correct. That's what I love about 2 Chronicles yeah, yes. 14. Will we, we humble, humble ourselves, ourselves and repent? repent? And you know, honestly, there were a number of large prayer gatherings in the United States before this last election. It was very interesting. They were all about repentance and unity and for God to be back on the throne in our country. Now, the response to that, many believe, has been that the election went completely in a direction that nobody thought could happen. And see, instead of criticizing and attacking, I say, thank God that he answered prayer 
And we're supposed to biblically be praying for our leaders and those in authority, not attacking. See, the church, the church is joining the dialogue of the nations instead yes. of leading the way and establishing the dialogue. And you know who it matters for? Our children. Yes. Because if we don't love him enough in the West, we will lose all that we have. You know, what is it that has given us this great, our great and beautiful structures and our freedom and our prospering, his ways, his purposes? Yeah, yes. And I think even, you know, it makes me think of, uh, I, I was reading uh, an article in which you spoke about the fathers of this nation, the Wilberforce yes. and the different men who really actually use the Bible to do amazing things and slavery, yes. you know, correct wrongs. Yes. You know, uh, oftentimes I think people who are not, people who are not believers or people who kind of find this dialogue uncomfortable, the attack that they have is, well, they want everybody to live in accordance with the Bible and what if I don't believe it? But the reality is that the truths and the freedoms that we enjoy today were actually all because of yes. the Bible. Exactly. And I think when you think about Wilberforce, um, he was so unpopular. Oh. And he didn't see, and he did, he spent a whole lifetime unpopular fighting to end the slave trade and the reformation of manners. He set up over 55 organizations. He even set up the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. I mean, extraordinary work that Wilberforce did. But actually, one of the slogans on, in the slave trade was, um, was about, uh, um, am I not one of you? And actually, if we think today, today, this year in Britain, uh, it's 50 years since the passing of the Abortion Act 1967. Mm. Today, 500 babies uh, will die in the womb. Well, they will be uh, aborted in this nation. Today? Today. Today, every day in our nation, 520. Eight and a half million, these are government statistics, in England and Scotland and Wales. We've just had a bill... In a year, eight and a half million? Or no, since the million, past... Since, no, since 1967. Oh my God. 200,000 every year. So this is, these statistics are huge. And I do believe that if Wilberforce was here today, uh, he would say, I'm speaking on behalf of those that cannot speak for themselves. I'm speaking on behalf of the pre-born children. Yeah. I'm speaking on behalf of the mothers and the, and the pre-born children. And I think that, that in years to come, we will look back and we'll see that this is a massive human rights scandal, that actually the Christians in this land have not spoken on behalf of the most vulnerable members of our society. Well, no, because I think it's very easy as a Christian to get caught up in the same dialogue that non-believers are caught up in, which is that it's loving and it's kind to allow a woman the right to choose and the freedom and the dignity over her body. Think of the words that get used yes. in this. You know, dignity over your body. No, dignity over my body is I just say no to sex outside of my marriage. I mean, that, that's, that's where I really got hardcore with myself. Like, okay, hold on a second, because I was one of those girls that, but it's my right to choose and, and it's my freedom and it's and all this stuff. I bought all of that. But in reality, all of that is a lie because real dignity and real freedom over my body is in knowing that a man does not deserve me unless he's willing to step up and be to me everything that he should be. Yes. Everything that God says he should That's be, it. it turns out, That's it. you know? And so we're taking, we're distorting all of this 
and making people think that the lie is the truth yes. and the truth is a lie. Romans 1, exchanging the truth for a lie, you suppress the truth, you worship the truth, and then you actually approve of it in law. And actually, if you dare to challenge that law, you're punished. And that's how we've got clients. That's how we've got cases. How is it that we have a beautiful young woman? She took up a case age 19. Her name is Ashton Hubert. This is another one of our cases. Uh, but on camera, doctors were caught by an investigative journalist prepared to carry out babies, abortions on babies that were 16 weeks in the womb for being female. The Crown Prosecution Service, that is supposed to uphold the law, uh, said there is a prima facie case that the Abortion Act law has been broken, but we do not consider it to be in the public interest to prosecute the doctors. So Ashling Hubert comes in and she says, I will bring, with the help of the Christian Legal Centre, Christian Concern, a private prosecution. So we bring a private prosecution and uh, the police at the beginning say they will hand over the the whole of the footage to us, they then withdraw that. The journalist won't do it. The court could order it, but they decide not to do it. The judge then orders the Crown Prosecution Service to take back over the case. He says that Ashton Hubert is a straw man for, the, for us, for Christian Concern, that it's all a political campaign. And he then orders her uh, to pay £47,000 for trying to bring justice. We thank God, we've just, we've, those costs are immoral, but they were prepared to come after her, to take anything that she owned. He was prepared to do this. It's great, it's unfair, it's unjust. In order to hide the fact that they were... Prepared <laughs> to carry out, but the whole, so, the prosecution service, the judge that should have monitored this, the twice the Crown Prosecution Service failed to do it, the director of public prosecutions, those authorities that should be protecting, it's the, what we were saying before, that, that those that should protect, those that should do the good, say crucify. And actually were prepared to let Ashling be marked on that. Completely. You know, it's, it's, I, I, I've been, I was teaching a lot this season on compromise, you know, and how compromise, just a little bit of yeah. compromise. It's like the yeast, yeah. you know, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees for a little bit of yeast makes yeah. the whole batch of dough rise. A little bit of compromise leads to sin. Yeah. Sin when it's full blown leads to death. Yeah. You know, we know this scripture says the wages of sin are death. There's, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's so beautiful. It's so freeing. It's so true. Right. Yet, 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 yet you're looking at situations in which people don't even understand they're choosing to live with the wage of sin versus help people live with the gift of God yeah. and eternal life, freedom, hope, deliverance Truth from... It sets you free. It sets you free indeed. Yeah. It's yeah. the how now to live. Um, yeah. And the thing is how, again, you know, this need for repentance in the church and reformation and revival that we have to face up to the fact yeah. that on our watch, on the watch of my life, we have allowed this to go on every day. Mm. This, this massacre of innocence yeah. has gone on every day. And I think it's, God's only got us to speak of it. Mm. And there's a sense, unless that we can face that reality, yeah. the, the, that, then, how, then how will there be revival in this land? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really terrible blotch. Well, that's why it's important to me 
to have someone like you on and to really find out what it is that you're doing at Christian Concern. And because it's one thing to talk about, you know, God's love. It's one thing to talk about, you know, God as a savior. And we share all these different principles, you know, amongst ourselves as believers. But the flip side is, is that we have to talk about the things that are uncomfortable. And in this nation, it strikes me as so obvious it's uncomfortable to Christians to discuss why it's okay to wear a burqa, but not a cross. Why it's okay to, you know, say that, you know, abortion is okay, but you can't actually pray for someone before they go into an operation that might, that where they might die. Like, it's just, it's not okay yeah. for that, not for, for this dialogue, not to be present, yeah. you know? And, and I, I have to agree that many in church leadership have dropped the ball. Yeah. You know, and how, what would you say to the leaders and those in positions of authority in the church um, to kind of call them to arms, call them to action? To, how would you want them to support what you're doing? Uh, today is the day. Speak and speak of these things from the pulpit that actually we should be, we need to be training those that, that are in our churches to be able to face the battleground that is in our culture, in this land at this time. Sunday school, I don't know, coloring a picture and doing a few word puzzles is not going to prepare, sorry to Cam, I know that all Sunday school isn't like that, but yeah. it's not going to prepare these children right. for battle. But similarly, we're not prepared. The, just people in, pub, in, in life, in the churches, are not prepared for what the culture throws at them. And they go on to mm. mute. And actually, the pastors and the leaders need to be preparing the Christians for battle. It's probably not that politically correct to speak about battle, is it? But, but actually, that's what it is. Well, Paul sure spoke a lot it about is. it in Ephesians. This is, we live in spiritual warfare. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual forces. And they are definitely having their way through the openings that... Christians provide yeah. the openings that are already there that the enemy ha has in the world just because of the nature of, of the fact that we live in a fallen world. Oh, I so agree with you. You know, we have to arm ourselves yep. and understand what is our sword. Yeah. You know, it is. It's the word of God. It is. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And, I, and right. everything that flows from it. And the gospel is the righteousness of God yes. from first to last. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I thank you. It is. It, it, it's always a pleasure to have you here. And, and Great to be here. Yeah, and I'm happy to support. And Thank you. I ask you to stick around next week. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more. But, you know, more than anything, I ask you to just to pray for your nation. Pray for your nation and pray for your leaders and those in authority that righteous men would be lifted up and that God's will would be done and that the sin that is a reproach to your nation and my nation and all nations would be eliminated. I'm Cynthia Garrett, thanks for watching.
Wow, I hope you're loving this session. I am. And I hope to see you next week for the conclusion of this session. But for now, I wanted to actually remind you to pick up a copy of Prodigal Daughter, A Journey Home to Identity, which is my first book. I got to tell you, the concepts of spiritual warfare are all throughout this book. And I get to go into a lot more detail and a lot more explanation than I actually can in just a mini session. But I really think it'll bless you in overcoming the challenges that come against your life, your day, your family, your home, your marriage, your self-esteem, your values, your relationship with Christ, all of it, all of it. So I'll leave you with this. You can find it everywhere, um, online at retail sellers and in some bookstores. I hope it'll bless you. I am Cynthia Garrett. I will see you next week.